0: document that perpetuates the marginalization and subjugation of women uh nope that's not what it says hello friends i'm so glad that you're back to listen to another episode of the nope that's not what it says show and i hope covid doesn't have you too down I know it's been wild for all of us. We've been working from home, putting our kids through school at home, or maybe we're doing some kind of hybrid of those things and part of the time going to work and part of the time going to school. Goodness, know that we are praying for you here at the NOPE Show. And uh, we know it's tough out there, but we also are really grateful that you're taking time out of what is a crazy busy life to uh, listen to some goodness. Today on the show, you will hear my interview with upcoming candidate for Texas House of Representatives, Titus Benton, and his wonderful, wonderful campaign uh, treasurer, Stacey Wilkins. They are both an incredible team of people who love God and and truly care about our community. So I'm excited to share this interview with you. We had a blast. um, And here it is. So Titus, you are here, husband, dad, founder of the Twenty Five Group nonprofit serving the global poor and underresourced. You are a pastor, a speaker, a friend, and a world changer, right? And now you're taking on the 132nd district of Texas. We're also here with your campaign finance treasurer. Treasurer, thank yes. you, campaign treasurer Stacy Wilkins. And so thank you guys for being here today. I'm excited. Thank you for having us. Very cool. excited to be here. So I just kind of want to start at the beginning with you, Titus. I well, confess, I totally like stalked your website and got some ideas, like a good podcast host, right? And so, uh, you grew up a farm kid. So, where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, I grew up in southern Missouri, mm. surrounded by national forest on three sides. Oh, wow, man! So, a town of about 4,500, but very isolated. And uh, yeah, I grew up in rural, conservative Christian culture.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. And what brought you to Katy eventually?
1: So in 2011, my wife and two kids and I moved here for a student ministry gig at a church here in town. I had been in St. Louis the whole decade prior doing student ministry. And, uh, you know, some people say I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I I could. Because I could, yes. That's definitely not me. I never would have dreamed that we would have lived uh, in this region, but we've been here almost 10 years wow. and loving it. Yep.
0: That's awesome. And what about you, Stacey? where did you grow up? I grew up in the great state of New York.
2: Ooh. <laughs> yes, um, I ended up coming to Texas. Uh, I actually was in the military. Okay. And so I grew up in New York, was stationed in California, and we decided that we wanted to get a middle grade. Right? Just
0: pick the, yes. pick the middle. <laughs> um, I actually
2: lived in New York for two years as an adult. And the first winter hit, and I automatically knew this is not for me <laughs> anymore. I'm a
0: southern duck. Yes.
2: yes. So we beelined it to the south and wow. love it.
0: Love awesome. It. Yeah. Awesome. So are you married? Yes, I awesome. have a husband. Yes. <laughs> His name is
2: Curtis. He's a great, he's my best friend. Mm. Um, we have four children, three boys and a baby girl, who's wow. not such a baby. She's
0: 16. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: And um, no, no four-legged fur babies mm. anymore, but,
0: Awesome. Well, it was nice to meet you too. Yeah. That's actually
1: how we met, is at the church that I was serving at here. Stacy and Curtis taught my kids mm-hmm. in Sunday school, and oh. I had their kids in youth group, yep. and so we became friends that way. That's yeah.
0: awesome. Yeah. So, how long have you guys known each other?
1: You were there in 2011, right? Yes. Yeah, when so you came to yeah.
0: introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. That was the first
0: We also yeah. were in a life group together.
1: Yep. With, yep.
0: The, with a, a local family. Very cool. So. so you yes. guys have some rich history. Yeah, we yeah. go back nine or ten years. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And I've been Very here cool. since 2008. And what part of the military did you serve in? The Marine Corps. Wow, yes. awesome.
2: Yeah. You yeah. don't mess around. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quiet, but yeah.
0: Fierce. <laughs> yes. Fierce. Very cool. All right, so I read a few other little interesting tidbits on the website as well. Um, you were an all-state octet. <laughs> Do tell, sir. Do uh, I tell.
1: To, I need to update. My, <laughs> that's on my personal?
0: What? That is on Titus life.
1: Okay, yeah. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, what, I think I had to be in my junior year. I, probably the choir I was in in high school is mm-hmm. the best team I've ever been on. Wow. I, mean, I played a lot of sports, but but we had this choir director. I'm not sure why he was at our school because he was kind of a college level <laughs> Just guy. Just amazing. And yeah, I mean, I was a, uh, I was a tenor in an octet. <laughs> we got the highest rating.
0: Wow., yeah,
1: pretty fancy stuff.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> that was my next question. What was your part? What part did you sing? And you I was a din- second tenor. Second so I tenor. was kind
1: of in the in between. Very eight. Nice. Yeah, it wasn't great. But it
2: wasn't great. <laughs> I have Uh-oh. never heard you sing before.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's really my wife's domain, as yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, my daughter's a terrific singer, too. Mm-hmm. And my son is, too, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty rusty.
0: Well, mm-hmm. it's a muscle. You please do I mean? ask. I won't be like, can you just <laughs> sing us a bit from, from that award winning show, please? Yes. And what about you, Stacey? Where'd you, like, what was high school like for you growing up? So, high
2: school um, was interesting. I, as I said, I was. Born and raised in New York, but my senior year, my dad took a job in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Oh, you talk about a cultural shift.
0: <laughs> I can imagine.
2: Um, I was excited at first till we got there, <laughs> and I was like, I have totally fallen off, fall off the fell off the map. Mm. It was it was a hard adjustment, but I was an avid sports player. Um, I was an all-county basketball player. Yes. Um, volleyball was my jam, too. Awesome. Um, I also did hurdles. So I was an athlete. Yeah. Um, I knew I was not going to college. My parents couldn't afford it. Mm. So it was never an option. But I wanted to be a Marine since I was nine. Wow. So that was my path since um, I saw this commercial, a Toys for Tots commercial, when I was nine. And I was like, I'm going to be one of those. Wow. And
0: that's what I did. That's so cool, yeah. Stacy. <laughs> Very cool. I played college volleyball too, so I grew up playing basketball. So I love, I love athletics. Mm-hmm. I love strategy. I love people who grew up playing team sports. There's just yes. it's like you know you can recognize it in someone when yep. they've mm-hmm. been on a team or in a group kind of mm-hmm. environment yeah. for an extended period of time. So I totally catch that vibe from the two of you. Like. Oh. I love it. I'm into it. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about the 25 group? Yeah,
1: so the 25 group started in 2014. Really kind of born out of my own frustration Mm -hmm. with um, really kind of how I use some of my money Mm. and my own generosity. So our family made some decisions at about that time to kind of reprioritize. And we just believe that if we invited other people to do the same, just to give a little bit more, we could make some kingdom impact. So the whole uh, mandate and name comes from Matthew 25 to serve the least of these. And uh, so when we started in 2014, it was really just kind of side hustle. I was still a full-time student pastor, and it has stayed that way for Mm -hmm. almost the entirety of our organizational history. But but we've served in Matthew 25 kind of the six categories of people the hungry thirsty sick naked stranger captive Uh, we've served over 20 organizations all over the world with grants Mm -hmm. Uh, we've also done some stuff with internships here locally serving local nonprofits Uh, and we provide some professional services Um, to organizations that are serving those groups as well. So we've raised and given away a little over half a million dollars in seven years.
0: It's so cool. This is how you actually came on my radar. I was taking a perspectives class for seminary, and I was introduced to Tina Hatcher.
1: Um, Mm Oh, got it.
0: And Tina, was it was in the time where she was about to be able to go full-time because of what the 25 group was doing. And hearing her testimony, and uh, back to being a person of strategy, I love simple strategy that yep. has exponential impact. So could you just tell us what the 25 group actually does? In, yeah,
1: yeah. In so we ask donors to give small gifts every month. 25 bucks a month is kind of our stick. And um, you know, we have hundreds of people that do that. So we're able to generate enough funding to do these larger capital gifts. So to use Tina as an example, you know, she was working part-time trying to serve the homeless here in Katy. Uh, working a full-time job to pay the bills. And as I met her, I just realized this person's got passion. She's got strategy. She knows what to do. She just needs to be freed up to do it. And that's going on with missionaries all over the world. Sure, absolutely. So I had a ton of friends serving in different places that were spending 75% of their time trying to raise money and 25% of the time trying to do what they felt called to do. And that really should be reversed, I think.
0: Yeah, that's powerful.
1: So we took the fundraising... um, out of their hands, and in Tina's case, were able to raise enough money to kind of subsidize her salary for a period of time while the organization kind of caught up and was yeah. able to pay for her uh, themselves. And so that happened over the course of 18 months, and, you know, the rest is history. So that's probably the largest single gift we've ever done, uh, also one that I'm the most proud of yeah. because of the impact that it Absolutely. had. But to know that that's happened with, you know, a couple dozen organizations around the world. It's pretty exciting.
0: It's a big deal, yeah. man. It's yeah. huge, and so when I heard about it was, I think her her presentation to that class was like 25 families from 25 churches giving 25 dollars mm-hmm. would completely change mm-hmm. our community, yeah. and that just it stuck with me, absolutely yeah. stuck with me. So when I heard you were running for office, I thought, man, there's more. Like we need to talk about yeah. the way you know you perceive community, the mm-hmm. way you perceive you and Stacy now getting to be with you, Stacy. This is so exciting. Um, so how how is community, pers- like in your perception, what is important about community? I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole idea of Christianity uh, is. Dun, com- dun dun dun! <laughs> it's, it's a community endeavor. Mm. You know, this was never meant to be an individualistic pursuit on our part, mm. and so. You know, my study of church history, I was always really drawn to monasticism and these super spiritual people hiding in caves or sitting on pillars. stylites, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. The problem is I wasn't ever really able to wrap my mind around, what are they actually doing? It's a purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so part of it is how I grew up, pretty poor, pretty under-resourced, really hard-working parents, but also with a church that rallied around me, sent mm-hmm. me to church camp bought me a coat one winter, yeah. pretty much paid for my college education. You know, I would not be who I am without the community that was around me. Mm. And really, when you talk to anybody, That's, uh, even people who are like, well, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. They don't really believe that mm. in a practical way. So community's it. And, you know, I've got friends working in really uh, under-resourced communities that... Um, The answer to their problem is not more money. The answer Mm. to their problem is not a new politician. The answer to the problem is building strong relationships within community. So community is kind of everything to me from a Mm. theological perspective, from a practical perspective, and so on
0: political perspective, we could say. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. And what about you, Stacey? Just to know more about you as far as, I know you guys met at church, you've been doing alpha groups together, you were obviously a Sunday school teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, What does community mean to you?
2: Community to me is like the old saying Like for us, is it takes a village. Mm. Um, I uh, grew up in foster care too, for several years of my life. And I had good people in my life during that time. Mm that took care of me, uh, supported me, supported my parents through their struggles. And um, I've watched how important people were for building people up from the ground up again. When I was reunited back with my family, we started from nothing. Mm. And we got a f- our home was able to be furnished. I had new clothes. Um, we were, we were kind of held back up by, until my parents could get back up mm-hmm. to support me mm-hmm. again. Um, And there's two things I know for sure about myself, is that I love Jesus and I love people. Mm. And Titus embodies that, you know, here. And so when I hear and see um, people struggling, Mm. people feeling marginalized, not important, um, it tugs at my heart. And I want to do something. And I didn't know what to do, you know, most recently. I just was like, I want to do something. What can I do to help? You know, I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've worked with homeless people. I'm presently very involved with a veterans group um, down in Houston of 500 veterans that would be homeless if it wasn't for community capacity. Um, So it's very near and dear to me. And then when Titus approached me about joining his team, it was like an answered prayer. Mm. I was like, Lord, show me where I need to be, what I can do. I can go to a protest. I can argue with people on Facebook. Sure, sure. I can do all the, the mundane, exhausting stuff. But I want to do hmm. something of substance and value to make a, a true difference for the kingdom, yeah. for God's glory. And Titus was that answered prayer. It's so, so cool. So it's all about community.
0: Yeah. I love that. The least of these. You know, we mm. gotta we got to start there. Mm. Very good. I love hearing that. Um, so why run now? What yeah. makes now the right time, I guess? After coming out mm. of what we... I'm a hometown girl. I'm from Katie, mm. born and raised. I love the work that you're doing. I love to see... I love to hear the two of you talk about community and mm-hmm. and in the context of thinking about this 132nd District, and mm-hmm. that's what we want here. Like, as a person who believes in Jesus and is invested in this community, I want this. I want this conversation happening in, in bigger spaces and mm-hmm. places. So why now? What makes now the right time to run?
1: Yeah, people ask that a lot. You know, I think the news surprised some folks, um, but... You know, I really don't think of it as entering into politics. People ask that, why are you getting into politics? I I really don't view it that way. I just view it as an extension extension of doing what I've always done, which is public service. And so it's a different sector, maybe, but it's the same heartbeat for me to see my neighbors flourish. Mm -hmm. Um, And in particular... To see people who are often overlooked, marginalized, cast aside, sure. ignored, to see them flourish, and we live in a very diverse place. Our district is is really diverse. Mm. I think our district is in a very um, overlooked way, uh, an at risk place. Mm. Um, there's there's a ton of issues here that are sort of hidden behind the McManus, the veil of the, money, yep, yep, and yep, yep. yeah. Yeah, and sure. in our community we have a lot of people who don't have health care, we have a lot of people sure. who are homeless. We have a lot of problems here that need to be addressed and I just don't hear a lot of that in the political discourse sure. yeah. um, which I do follow. So as far as the timing goes, I think I mean this is 2020. <laughs> this is the most crazy bananas time. Here. <laughs> bananas <laughs> uh, I love it.
0: Yes.
1: And you know, so for me that that informed three things. One is the, the partisan fever in sure. our country right now is so high. The like
0: 49 a, to 51 is...
1: At, yeah, <laughs> at some point that's got to break. That's yeah. not sustainable. Agreed. Secondly, you know, we've kind of had this front row seat at not only a pandemic, which presents all sorts of challenges, but also a ton of racial injustice, mm-hmm. which uh, has caused even more partisanship and division. And I just think that an independent candidate has a little more moral authority to present nonpartisan solutions. Right. Um, and so that timing felt um, about right. And then lastly, it's like, well... I'm too late to sort of register in the traditional way, so I'm trying this sort of write-in campaign. <laughs> this
0: rogue organic campaign, yeah. I love. <laughs> and
1: you know, ordinarily I would think, "Gosh, there's just no chance." But in a year of unprecedented things, I thought, "Hey, maybe we'll we'll capture lightning in a bottle here and yeah. pull something <laughs> historic off." So, but even if I don't win, to me the process is just as important. Sure, as the
0: invaluable experience, yeah. right? And so if not to speak in hypotheticals for too long, but mm-hmm. what is the idea if you aren't elected this year? Do you have more intentions of, you know, branching out into the political realm? I
1: think so. I mean, again, this is this is an experiment of sorts, yeah. and I'm really learning a lot already, and so that'll inform that decision. Mm-hmm. But what I know will never change is my desire to do public service. Yeah. And so, you know, even if that's not as a candidate to be involved more politically, I think... Uh, I've spent my whole career sort of helping people one person at a time. Mm. And if this year has revealed anything to me, it's that there are these huge systemic issues that need to be addressed. And I'd like to help tackle those. Mm. I value the experience that I had as a pastor, as a nonprofit leader, sort of doing it one person at a time. I value that. But I've only got so many years left on the earth and I want to make as big of an impact as I Mm. can. And so uh, to quote the most beloved musical of all time, Hamilton. (laughs) I just kind of want to be in the room where it happens. Hey, I love it. And help some change come come to pass.
0: It's an excellent perspective. Excellent perspective. Um, So as far as our community, you touched a little bit on this, how we have this veil of everything's okay, everything's all right. I think it mimics even like what we experience in the evangelical church around here Mm -hmm. is that, no, I could never let you know how un-okay I am, because then all of this would just begin to crumble. Yeah. And I think as I survey the political dialogue going on between left and right, red and blue, there's not a lot of room for new ideas. Yeah. Or maybe even old ideas, right? Like if we're coming from a biblical, theological perspective that says the Bible works, these aren't new ideas. These are these are ancient ideas that, that we believe to work. Yeah. So maybe in, in the realm of... The 132nd district, and dealing with um, this is not an easy topic, but it is a, a current topic of racial injustice mm-hmm. as, as an, a very affluent um, community. Mm-hmm. As someone who's lived, my son is the sixth generation of my family to have been born in Katy. Wow. Um, you know, being able to go to a peaceful protest this year for the first time in Katy's history mm-hmm. with my child as fifth and sixth generation citizens and say, We want this to be different. We want this to look different. We never, ever want to experience the history that we have had, and we don't want to perpetuate it into our future. So as a team, the two of you here today, like, what is your perspective on our community specifically in, in that uh, soup yeah. of, of difficulty, right? Yeah.
1: No, I, th- I think the first thing is what you just said, which is we've got to stop pretending like there's not problems. Mm. You know. Um, and that's really hard for some people to do Mm. because our comfort is a pretty safe place to be in specifically as like a straight white dude. Sure. There are, there are tons of my peers who would just rather pretend like this isn't an issue and don't want to step into the arena. Mm. You know, I would say in addition to that, we just have to be able to have conversations. That's good. Um, both parties have had to pivot to their extreme polls <laughs> to make sure their base stays energized, and that's created this huge gap in the middle of what is referred to as the exhausted majority. Mm-hmm. And I think the change is going to come from there, and um, people who just recognize what you said, which is we just want things to be different. And then I think, again, it has to be done on a relational level. Um, It's been said before, it'll be said again, it's well said that it's really hard to hate up close. Yeah. And I think until you can create environments where people who are coming from really different perspectives can get in a room and have conversation, then we're going to continue to objectify one another, assume the worst in each other, and continue to sort of have this huge rift between us and that's just unacceptable so as somebody who i think has um the personality and i I think the heart to kind of stand in the middle there and and pull people toward each other that's my hope Mm -hmm. is to frame the conversation differently to create spaces where people can have conversations in a human way and stop letting our ideologies drive us apart
0: yeah that's great that's awesome (laughs) I love it and Stacy what about what excites you about this this team that you guys have built and that you know going into the future talking about community being extremely important Mm -hmm. and also having I love the the awareness right you're not saying that this side is right or this side is right it's like no we're broken Mm -hmm. and and we need to come Mm -hmm. together to have a solution so what's exciting about that in the real work of moving this forward I think what's most exciting is that there actually is
2: and are people that want to address the hard things, that are willing to say, okay, this really isn't right. And calling out things for what they are and having those difficult conversations. Like Titus said, people are like, oh, they, it doesn't affect me. I don't understand or I don't see it. That's easy to do when you're not walking in the life of some of these people that uh, are walking in some of these, uh, these difficult journeys or experiences. Um, being willing to open your eyes and see things in reality and how things really are. That hasn't really happened. And now we have, we see since the George George Floyd incidents, this influx of white America that's finally saying, wait a minute, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And people are starting to speak out and speak up now. And because of that, our voices are now being heard too. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's not This imaginary issue
2: Mm -hmm. anymore.
0: So that's exciting to me. Right. And it's not just, you know, I I, we have a great team here called the Peace Unity and Racial Healing Team. Mm -hmm. And I've been privileged to be a part of that team for the past four or five years. And something we discuss is, you know, this is no longer my black sister or my black brother's issue. Mm-hmm. This is our issue. This yeah. is our issue as Americans, as a community of believers mm-hmm. specifically. This is our issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to just hear how you guys are, are framing this and hear how um, mm-hmm. you have to have an enthusiasm, I mm-hmm. guess, right? In order to be that person in the middle that says, no, 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 come on. Let's let's have a discussion. You have to have enthusiasm, you have to have humor, I think. You have to be able to diffuse situations where people are so ingrained in the way thing the status quo for either side. You know, it's it's not a simple thing to shatter two, you know, sets of ideologies with all the while proposing a new way of doing things. So I applaud you both for like this is courageous work. But also I see in you both this like enthusiasm and humor that says you know we're doing the work of the Lord here at the end of the day whether we're elected or not whether we make huge changes or not the process is so important the process of being the first and being a pioneer yeah. so like how i wanted to touch on that a little bit like the concept of being a pioneer how do you hmm. feel about kind of making history you know yeah. you're writing in i love yeah. it my husband and i discuss it. it's like rogue and organic <laughs> mm-hmm. and just yeah. how we want it to be you yeah. know if if it had more hype I don't know how yeah. interested we would be. And yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way, just in a, you know, this, this feels genuine in a way that I haven't been able to put my vote behind ever yeah. as, yeah. you know, a young 30-something. So yeah. what is that like for you?
1: Well, I've always liked starting stuff. Um, and while I'm risk-averse in some areas of my life, the things that really matter to me are things that I'm willing to, to risk. Mm. Um, I've been there and done that in terms of sort of um, speaking up about things that really matter to me and being rejected and sure. cast aside. So there's no fear there about that. Um, the worst thing that could happen, literally, is that we'll lose. Mm-hmm. And and even then, again, we'll have had these really important conversations, and I hope shown that there's a third path. Um, in terms of like being a, a trendsetter or a <laughs> pioneer, you know, I. The harsh reality of it is an independent hasn't been elected to the Texas State House of Representatives since the 1930s in a general election. However, you know, just a few years ago, someone ran as an independent in a special election and won. And a couple years ago, somebody ran as a Republican, got elected, and then immediately switched switched to an independent. (laughs) So there is a trend there, and I've talked to other people, including a guy yesterday that's running out of Dallas, um, who's basically doing the same thing we are, um, there, there is a, part of, a non-partisan populism that's sort of rising. And for that to be genuine and authentic, like, like I'm grateful that you noticed, <laughs> um, it can't be business as usual. Yeah. And so if we frame all of this the same way as people in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party do, uh, it will come across really inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, the process and how we're doing it is as integral to the message as the message itself because we're trying not to do it in politics as usual. Mm-hmm. And by that, really, what I'm getting at is getting away from the either or and embracing the both and.
0: Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. That's the most biblical statement. Yeah in my opinion, is we don't have to choose either or. It can be yeah. both and. Yeah. We, can, we can care about women's productive rights and the unborn. Yeah. We can care about access to health care and we can care about, you know, the unborn. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. are just yeah. two things yeah. that are coming to mind. You know, <laughs> yeah. as, I think that's increasingly frustrating about the bipartisan system is as a woman... As a young woman, I believe in access to healthcare mm-hmm. for women. I believe in reproductive health for women. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that like the rhetoric of abortion as your only choice is, yeah. is it appalls me yeah. to have yeah. to split my vote between, well, I can't vote for the things that are really important to me because this one thing is yeah. just hanging on to this issue and the lumping in of social justice issues all together yeah. under one umbrella and and i think that has a culprit for why we've had a lot of yeah. systemic just we get tired it's like yeah. well what else is going to be heaped into civil rights we can't we can't we can't hold it all up at the same time we get a lot of understanding burnout i guess and so when we're moving forward this exhausted majority, What what is your message, I guess, to those of us in the middle who do want a third option, who do want to say, I do believe in, you know, the rights of small businesses, I mm-hmm. do believe in low taxation, but I also believe in taking care of the people in my mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is the kind of line that you're walking to yeah. I think minister, right? Mm-hmm. In the political realm, you wouldn't really use the word minister, but like those of us in the middle, we need you to minister yeah. to our hearts, you know? Yeah. Like we need to know there is a middle ground and it's not sinking sand, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: yeah, no. So it's really hard work because what you have to be able to do is exercise a lot of patience. Nobody um, likes that. <laughs> yeah, and and that's really hard. Yeah. Um, but I think the the main point for me is we, we just have to be able to dismiss that rhetoric that mm. you mentioned, which not only is partisan in nature, but on a practical level is just really unhelpful. Mm. And it's just fuel for this kind of political machine. Sure. And you have to start thinking about the nuance of these issues. You have to start recognizing that my ultra-conservative friend who has this, these sets of positions and mm-hmm. values are coming to those from a set of experiences that matter to them. Sure. And my very progressive friends are experiencing the same thing. And to me, the key is helping those individuals understand each other's experience. And the best example that I can get, give for this and, and we're experiencing this three-year anniversary this week of Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. When you saw all these rednecks roll into town mm-hmm. looking like everybody in my hometown right. with their boats going door to door, they weren't checking people's beliefs no. at, at the door. They were just pulling people into the boat. Like, yeah. we are capable of it if we sense that it's important enough. And when I, what I said about the partisan temperature in the country being so high and the fever needing to break, like I think what we have to understand is it shouldn't take a hurricane for us to sense that urgency. To love each
0: other, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. A natural disaster for us to remember that we're family. Yeah.
1: And so I think to Stacy's point earlier, I think a lot of uh, particularly, not just the Christian community, but I do see it in the Christian community perhaps for the first time in my mm. experience, is people my age and, and younger going, oh, wait— I believe what the black community is saying about their experience, and I need to engage in that conversation in ways that I never have before. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing as the redneck with the boat going, hey, I'm here to help, I'll listen.
0: I know what to do in a crisis.
1: Right, right. And so I just think the crisis is that strong Mm. um, around justice issues, around healthcare issues, But the other thing you said that resonates with me the most and and probably is what motivated me to to throw my hat in the ring above all is this idea of these false choices Mm. that that we're forced to choose being pro-cop or pro-black community. Right. That's an insane choice.
0: Can't make it. I I refuse to make it. And there's
1: a lot of people that refuse to make it. And I think the biggest obstacle there is... Compromise cannot be viewed as weakness, mm. and neutrality can't be viewed as not having convictions. I have very strong convictions, and I think that's what empowers me to stand in the middle of some of these issues to frame the conversation differently. At least I hope that's true.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's really good. Um, so what's the most exciting part about this? As you look forward, say, we win. I'm, I'm a weed now because I'm all about this. We win. <laughs> yes. And what is the most exciting thing for you, Stacey, as you're looking to, and I'll cover in the opening like what Texas, the House of Representatives does because we're a little bit different than other places. So we'll talk about that. But what's the most exciting thing for you as you look into the future and the possibilities? Um, what is it? That
2: there might be some sense of solidarity mm. in our community mm. for once in a very long time. Since Harvey, maybe.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to not driving through my neighborhood and not thinking, seeing a Trump sign or a Biden sign and wondering, are they still friends? Are mm. they talking? Mm. You know, I'm I'm tired of discord
0: mm. and division. Yeah. I, mm. I,
2: I want community to be what it's supposed to be, a unity. Mm. So that's what I'm excited about, the possibility of that. That's awesome. And. Yeah, that's awesome to be a part of that team that will perpetuate that. Mm -hmm. That's just a blessing in itself. That's
0: beautiful. And so how do you guys plan to facilitate that on a, you know, maybe just one idea. I'm not asking you to give us a whole strategy, but like what's one way of facilitating that in the real life community that we're talking about? Like what would be a dream that would come out of not just being elected, but this, seeing this happen in our city. Maybe it's more conversations about um, race relations maybe it's more conversations about what is healthcare. how do we have access to it how can we make it better like what are some ideas that you have um, moving forward to kind of reshape our community in practical ways yeah
1: so I think on an abstract level you know what you're talking about in terms of communication what Stacy's talking about when she drives through her neighborhood yeah. you know there, there's got to be an impulse in us to engage people on an individual level and just be able to say things really honestly like Mm. we disagree on this but man I I love you you know what do do you need how can I help what made you come to that conclusion you know and and have conversations without it getting to that level of discord like we see on social media so Mm -hmm. often I think on a really you know concrete level for me it's 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 that's, that's why I chose the Texas State House. I mean, there are other offices that sure. I could have aspired to. But state legislation is, A, where a lot of these things get done. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about national politics so much.
0: I think that's another mirage of this but, whole
1: system. But politics are at their best when they're local. Absolutely. And so power. to be able to advocate for marginalized people, to be able to... Sit in a room with 150 other people.
0: Influencers
1: right. of, of and, the utmost
0: kind. <laughs> and have those
1: same conversations that, that hopefully people are having in their friend groups at their churches, but but with those policymakers, and find that common ground. Because there is common ground. We're choosing to divide on these sort of abstract, um, these, these um, sort of abstract, really divisive things. The, the best example I can think of is like the pro-cop, pro-black community yeah. thing. Mm. You know, I started our listening tour this week and I talked to three cops and all three of them were like, everybody should have body cameras. Like, that's just a really practical thing. So to be able to be in a room and say, hey, body cameras are mandatory. We're funding it this way. This is how I it's like going it. to happen. We're into it. Everybody yeah. wins. Like, right. that's common ground yeah. that we could find. So being able to orchestrate that around the things that are really important to me we've got to do something about healthcare. this pandemic exposed that Mm -hmm. but in a really concrete way to take these issues on and do the hard work of not oversimplifying them to one extreme or another but to bring people to a to a common set of values and to make some some things Mm -hmm. happen that that have wheels on it that can move Um, that's what I'm excited about
0: Sure, that's I'm excited about that. I'm super excited about that. So, uh, just to round it out, I think is there anything specific you guys want to talk about other than what we've talked about?
1: I think the only other thing that I'd like to say is I want to be really specific about the fact that one of the things that grieves me the most is that the local church really has an opportunity here to either love their neighbor really well and to engage in these hard conversations or choose to take a neutral stance that is void of any conviction, over spiritualize everything and divide their congregations. Mm -hmm. And I'm still friends with enough pastors to know that that is going on. And I'm not getting into politics to answer every problem, because I'm not sure politics can do that.
0: No. We know who can do that. (laughs) And
1: I think uh, there are a lot of people that look and grew up and think a lot like me uh, that are choosing, because of their position in churches, to not address these really important issues. Uh, And yet they're very critical of politicians when they attempt Mm. to address them. And so I tried for a long time in the local church to have those conversations, and often they weren't even welcome. Sure. Uh, Mm. Which translated meant I wasn't welcome. And so I'm going to keep trying to have the conversations in whatever realm I'm able. But I think as a Christ follower, it's really important to me that churches don 't take their eye off the ball, mm. that social justice is a gospel issue
0: the gospel <laughs> i would I would say that but social justice is a huge part of the gospel because yep. this, the justice of the kingdom of God is that we lack nothing right yep. is that Christ has paid the price for all of us to be having a seat at the table, not fighting for it it's been prepared for you, you belong, your family yep. um, I love. I love just even looking into the future and knowing um, that there's a possibility that you're going to be in the house, and that's yeah. really exciting, both yeah. of you, being there and making yeah. changes. Um, I agree with you. As far as the local church goes, um, I've seen some... I've been in the local Katie Church for almost a decade, yeah. full-time ministry, and I've seen I've seen some scary things when mm-hmm. it comes to politics, but I've also recently seen some some scary things, but moving mm-hmm. in a direction yep. of... Even admitting we don't know what to do. I think that's what we've been covered in for a long time. Even if we get out of the church, just into a community realm, we're just afraid. We're afraid of losing status quo. We're afraid of, like you said, we just assume the worst about each other always, right? We let fear take us to that extreme place and I think fear is just rising. Mm -hmm. You see the fear agenda in our media, of course, Mm -hmm, but you also see it. it's fear of something that's driving this political party to tell you you should vote this way because Mm -hmm. if you don't, this will happen and you're very afraid of whatever this thing is, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. moving forward, um, I guess, fearlessness comes to mind like this idea of as the people of God we must we must whether we're political pastors doctors lawyers stay-at-home moms Marines whoever we are as representatives of the kingdom right coming out of fear and moving into purpose
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is key even if our purpose is saying I don't have a solution I just know that this what we have going on isn't the solution so I'm willing to do the hard work and sit at the table and find the solution, come together to find a solution. So I think that's really terrifying, but also super exciting, man. So I think it's a challenge for our community for sure. But I've also, like you said, three years ago, we watched our community rise to the occasion like that. Before we had city leadership, before we had council, like leadership even, people were just showing up to help. Um, And I think we've been kept in this continuum recently, especially with COVID of, like, who's in charge here? Yep. yep. Who's in charge? And what are we doing? What am I allowed to do? What's safe to do? And there's this, I think there's this beautiful spirit of the Lord in that, that's saying, hey, this thing that you revered so much that you thought was going to solve all of your problems, like you said, politics can't solve all of your problems. So stop worshiping politics, mm-hmm. worship me, and and participate in your your civil liberty or civil, yeah. you know, duty as a, a participant of local government, yeah. we get to do these things. Yeah. So I'm really excited for you. I'm proud of you both. Like this is not an easy thing yeah. to do. You're breaking new ground. That's yeah. what's exciting to me about the pioneer aspect. Whether it's gangbusters and you change the world with <laughs> you know two years in office or whether it's hey we got our feet wet and now we've tasted this thing and maybe tied us for mm-hmm. president.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that hey. the independent party becomes more popular, especially Amen. for in two years and even in four years. I would love to see an independent a true independent candidate that has a chance of winning on a ballot. Yeah. That Amen. that can bring the and ideas for this country and even for local government. I love that. I think it's I think it more it aligns more on what the middle group that Titus was mentioning That exhausted majority. The, the exhausted right.
0: majority, yeah. It's looking for. I love that. You guys represent a beautiful non-extremism that's refreshing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like We're dealing with a lot of pendulum swinging, like you said, the the far left and far right pole. We've had to go so far to convince people and use so many fear-based tactics Mm -hmm. that now having a beautiful middle ground that says no, you can care about the cops, and you can care about the issue of Black Lives Matter. You can care about female reductive reproductive health, and you can care about the unborn. We can do all these things, mm-hmm. and we can make a better community yep. together. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, this hope- sounds beautiful. Huh? Oh, you guys are beautiful. <laughs> this whole day is beautiful. I'm so excited. This is such a ray of hope. Having you here was so important to me because looking into the future... All we're thinking about, I think, is November elections. All people are thinking about is like big E presidential elections. And personally, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful, nothing like that. But like I want a mulligan. Mm-hmm. I don't want to vote for anyone. Like, I don't like yeah. the options. Can we redo? What's yeah. what's my choice this here? I don't I don't like this. So I think that is my general diverse group of friends all over the country we just I don't I don't want to vote for you like we're also mostly poli-sci kids from college who are like I'm gonna vote because I have to vote it's my it's my responsibility right but knowing even as you're just breaking this new ground the third-party independent option we want it yeah we want it we want it and I think the more available and um, accessible it is to younger kids, especially who being in- indoctrinated about mm-hmm. socialism and, and communism and thinking, no, these are better ideas. And it's like, oh, that's because the spirit of the Lord agrees that these are great ideas. Like, this is how we take care of one another. However, mm-hmm. we, cannot, we cannot exchange the gospel for, for politics. You know, government doesn't have feelings. Yeah. Government doesn't care about us. As much as we want it to, like, big government literally can't. It just can't. That's not how it works. It's about people. So I love hearing you Just your heart up for community, both of you, and how yeah. you love people loving people, right? Yeah. Bringing people together exactly. is the goal, I think, is what I'm hearing from you guys today. Yes. And that's cool. So can we talk about how people can get titus's name out there yes and what they can do to please help yes. i would love that so tell us i know titus live 25 group online but where yep. are you going yep. specifically for, so, for the race
1: got a campaign website up and running titus for texas not the number f-o-r we're not that cheesy <laughs> no. um also have a facebook page up and running which would be great to share content from um and in the coming days, we'll have the traditional yard signs and cards. Heck and, yes. And kind of get the ground game going. And
0: where can we get those? Can we order those on your website? Just keep,
1: Yeah, keep an eye on the website. Cool. We'll have a couple pickup places where you can come and get them, or we can make the make the delivery if that's mm-hmm. uh, better for people that want to yeah. stay home, keep their distance and all that. But, yeah, there'll be other opportunities. We're also unrolling a ton of policy stuff. So, you know, it's great to have this conversation and kind of speak in these general terms about our stance but when it comes to specific policies, how, how do we outline kind of that both-and mindset in, in concrete ways? Mm-hmm. And so that'll be up on the website, too. And, yeah, just um, share with friends. This is going to be a word-of-mouth success, yes. if it's going to be a success at all. I
0: love that. We've also initiated Backyard Conversations. Love that! I did see that floating around. What's the ne- when's the next one going on? At
2: my house, Ooh, September fourth. Okay. <laughs> um, my email is Stacy. That's S T A C I E. Dot uh, citizens for Titus at gmail.com If interested, send me an email. If you want to host, send me an email, and we can coordinate schedules and and see if we can make that happen. We want everybody
0: to hear about Titus. I love that. So awesome. I love that. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing with us. Okay, I have one more question for you both. I am an avid reader. I love sci-fi and murder mystery and true crime and oh, I just love to read, right? So I wanted to ask you, Titus, what was your favorite Grisham book that you've ever read?
1: Oh my gosh! Now you're I asking me. Can only pick one. This is the hardest kid I of the the most. <laughs> Oh wow! I I love John Grisham. So that's a fantastic question. I would say. Uh, this is a really lesser-known one, but he's got a little book called Bleachers, and he actually wrote it about a small-town football star who goes home to deal with some personal things, and so it's not his typical crime yeah. law thing. It's a totally different thing, but, but probably my favorite you're making me choose. I'm
0: making you choose. cruel. Because I'm going to share with my dad, who also loves Grisham. Okay. So, And what about you, Stacey? Do you love to read? Is that your thing? Do not ask me about John Grisham books. I don't, <laughs> don't even know if I read a John Grisham I mean, if,
2: maybe if you tell me some titles, maybe way back I might have or not. Um, I've started reading more um, socially conscious books lately. Yeah. Um, my next one up is the Anne Campaign yeah. um, book. I'm really interested in that. Um, I just... Recently finished um, Austin Shannon Brown's book. Mm -hmm. Um, I can not think of the name of it because I'm put on the spot. The green cover book. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's gonna be so. Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I'm so embarrassed right now. So edit that. Make me sound good. Yes, of course. Um, But that was a great book. I saw a lot of my life in that book. But um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm starting to. I need to branch out probably to something different because my brain is just. Not shutting off from all reading of this. all that yeah. heavy stuff yes. in a row. Yeah, yes, yeah. I need to go back and read my favorite all-time book, which is actually Memoirs of a Geisha*. <gasps> oh, I love that book as yes, well. That's one of my. I need to probably mm. read that again to kind of come down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Just relax in yes. your, your literary space. Yes, exactly, <laughs> that's awesome. So. Well, thank you both for being here today. It was great to get to know you better. I'm so excited about this. We are praying for you. If there's one thing, how can we be praying for you specifically as a community of people who believe in Jesus and believe that whatever's going to happen is because he wants it to happen? How could we be praying for you? doesn't have to be super spiritual even if you're just like make sure I have clean socks in the drawer every day like (laughs) I don't wear socks that much so no big deal
1: you know for me I've learned about myself in recent years that I will expend myself Mm. for the sake of others Mm. and forget who I am and where Mm -hmm. I am and so that balance of prayer and action sure contemplation and you know sort of Mm -hmm. um uh, action is is one that I have to really watch, mm-hmm. and so I need to stay whole. or I'm not gonna do anybody any good. Sure. So you know, yeah. I know you said it have to be spiritual, but that's a, that's that's the real answer because that's probably my life's biggest struggle. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure, balancing yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And what about you, Stacy? Mine's pretty similar. Um, for me, that
2: the decisions I make, that I seek what his will is for me mm. um that i'm not acting on my own emotion or will that i'm really truly uh, my eyes are towards the kingdom mm-hmm. and yeah. for what he will have me do and that ultimately that all glory goes to him not for my benefit at all that's good yeah amen
0: it's yep. exciting thank you guys for being here for thank sure you. thank you for having awesome. us yeah. So you heard it right here. Titus Benton for the 132 District, the 132nd District of Texas, taking us in with a right in moderate third-party option. I mean, it just makes me excited. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you listened. I hope you uh, gleaned a lot of great information. You can visit Titus. Live.com. You can find Titus for Texas on Facebook.com, just like Stacy shared at the end of this episode. Um, you can also click some links in the episode information and find out more about, you know, why why I'm so excited that Titus is running for office um, and, and just pioneering and paving a way for more options, right? More options is is a better outlook for every voter, being able to have a third party that maybe aligns more with how we think the world should be. Um, it excites me folks and I'm glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Um, more episodes to come. so stay tuned. make sure you subscribe so you can get updates uh, from our crazy schedule because you know we don't we don't know what we're doing. but we love you and we're glad that you're listening. So have a great week this week. Don't get too stressed. Remember that God is good and we love you.